think you could tell Heaven from hell Blue skies from pain Can you tell a green field From a cold steel rail A smile from a veil Do you think you can tell Hello, everybody, and welcome to another recovery radio broadcast recorded live at the Lataw Recovery Center in downtown Moscow. Recovery Radio is an outreach of the Lataw Recovery Center located at 531 South Main Street in Moscow. You can contact the LRC by phone at 208-883-1045 or by email at Center at gmail.com. 
You can find them on the web at latarecoverycenter.org and on Facebook. Recovery Radio's mission is to share with our community how recovery from addiction and mental health issues affect us all. To make our community aware of the recovery resources available in our area and to share the personal stories of people in and around recovery, highlighting their experience, insight, and hope for continuing recovery. And I'm Radio Johnny, and I'm a grateful recovered alcoholic, recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And my better half in the Hi. studio today. Oh, he's so kind. My name's Denise, and um, I'm a grateful follower of Jesus, and I am in recovery from illegal substances and nicotine. And nicotine. I yeah, like man, that. that's a hard one. That one's that one was my longest running running vice. So there, there you, you know, go. gotta count it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's got to be part of the deal. You got that right. And uh, today, Denise and I are going to talk a little bit about relapse, which is a common thing in our circles of people that sure. we, we run with and uh, are in recovery with. I'm going to start out a little bit with my history because I you know, have experienced relapse. The beauty of, of AA is that it's pretty much a given that we don't shoot our wounded you know if you relapse Mm -hmm. get back in you know they're excited to see you come back Uh, they're not going to scold you for your relapse they're just going to have to love you that much harder to help you get past that and get you know back on the horse so to speak and get into recovery and that was my experience with it the cause of my relapse pretty simple didn't stay involved with the organization, which for me is Alcoholics Anonymous. So basically, my selfish, self-centered side just kind of took over. And I got to the point where my mind said, yeah, you can probably have a couple of drinks and it'll be fine. And uh, yeah, a couple of drinks and it was fine. And then a couple of more. And then a couple of more. And then the, the, uh, the, the craving starts. And then you're just off on a run. Because for me, once I take that first drink, how does it go? I took a drink, the drink took a drink, and then the drink took me. And uh, that's kind of what happened with me. Will it happen again? I hope not because I'm staying involved. I go to meetings. I chair meetings. Uh, and I do this radio program. You know, once a week, I, I, I am forced to get together with Denise, another person in recovery, mm-hmm. and be accountable and share what's going on in my life in an honest way. And I get to listen to Denise tell me what's going on with her in an honest way. And folks, we had a rough conversation earlier today before the show started, and uh, it, was, uh, it was informative for me and uh, I think it gave Denise a chance to get out some uh, get out some stuff that was weighing on her Uh, that's just my guess what do you think I mean absolutely yeah Yeah. so that's the important thing about after relapse uh, and probably even more important before relapse Mm -hmm. make that phone call call that person you trust that sort of thing 
So you brought in something that uh, you wanted to share. Now so, maybe set it up with what it was, what yeah. what precipitated all this. So I, um, at Restoration Night last night, led a lesson, <clears throat> taught a lesson on relapse that comes basically, you know, from our, our CR. We have our Celebrate Recovery there along with a lot of other classes that we do. But since we are now Restoration Night, we pool our teaching from anywhere that we want, any kind of information. Mm -hmm. So I talked about where we had been so far in in our lessons that have to do with the step study there. So I'm just going to go ahead and launch into some of the things that I talked about. It shouldn't take too long. Um, so I said tonight's our you know lesson on relapse, and take, let's take a look at where we've been. So we've stepped out of denial. We've realized that we're powerless. We've found hope in knowing that we matter to God. We've turned our lives and our will over to Christ's care. We started taking action. We were building community. We found a sponsor. We have written our inventory. We have confessed it to God, ourselves, and another of the nature of our wrongs. We've asked God to remove our character defects. We've offered forgiveness and made amends. We have received and given grace. And we continue to take a daily personal inventory. And then next, we have a principle and a step for each of our lessons. So I'm going to go ahead and read those. Principle 7 said we reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to follow his will. Step 11 is we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for the knowledge of his will and the power to carry that out. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, Galatians 3.16. So I took a definition that comes out of the Genesis Process um, book for change, and that is a study that we do for um, six months. It takes six months to get through, and I just want to say that that is the way that I was able to quit smoking cigarettes. So the, their definition says relapse is to simply fall back into something that is harmful to yourself or to others that you told yourself you would not do whether it's alcohol, anger, anxiety, depression, drug use, overeating, negativity, sex, work, and of course there are many more. Relapse is repeating the very thing that you do not want to do. I shared a few stories after that about some things that, that I struggle with, and um, I'll just go ahead and give you the brief brief one of that. So I, years ago, was strongly convicted that um, that my words matter and that I can speak a life or my words can hurt people. So if I relapse yelling, it's an indication that something is wrong. So the reason that it's important for me to look at these kinds of things is because a handful of steps forward could be a relapse into something that's illegal. So how I am with my family is really important. And if I start to go wrong in those areas, that means that I need to sit down and look at what's going on. Am I stressed out? Am I tired? Because when you're tired, that's one of the biggest um, times that you can relapse into things. It's just how it works. You gotta get rest, or you might fall back into your coping behaviors like drug use or alcohol. A common thing in recovery is the acronym HALT. Hungry, angry, that's lonely, correct. tired. Yeah, and so those are the kinds of things. And so family problems is you know one of the things that can really get me overwhelmed and cause 
you know, the frustration or the yelling to happen. And so it's important that I remember I can't fix these problems, but that I can put them into perspective. I can pray into the situation that's surrounding it. Basically, I can do my side. You know, I have to, it's kind of like the serenity prayer, you know, the the whole thing. And, you know, when it gets to the part, you know, you have to do your side. You want to, right, the courage start, to, the cur- okay, start the yeah, serenity prayer. Grant, me, my grant me the serenity to, to accept, accept the, the things, things I cannot change, change, the courage to change the things, the things I can, and, and the, the wisdom, wisdom to know, know the, the difference. difference. Yep. Accepting one day at a time. And so we have a little bit longer version. Right. But, but basically, you know, that we can get all excited and, and, upset about all these things that that suck that we can't do anything about and we can spin off you know we can spin off in the wrong Mm -hmm. direction and then we can go make some poor choices that wind up getting us a felony or a misdemeanor or our family really upset with us so right exactly i uh an honest alcoholic understands that alcohol is a symptom me putting alcohol in my system is a symptom of the problem yeah and the problem is basically, you know, with most alcoholics, is that we're selfish and self-centered. So when you talk about, I can relate to what you're talking about when you talk about yelling being a relapse. Mm -hmm. Most people wouldn't think of that, but it's a relapse of behavior. And Mm -hmm. in AA, our whole process is learning, in, in learning how to live a sober life is learning to get rid of those defects of character those those shortcomings that Mm -hmm. we have you know which is why i've i've met people who've come to aa meetings who weren't alcoholic at all but they walked away going wow i got some great information here yeah you know i got some i got uh you know uh, my eyes have been open Mm -hmm. to the fact that even though I don't really have a problem with alcohol right now. I certainly have all these isms, all right, the isms are, of alcoholism. Right. There are actually things, you know, it's interesting because so our relationships can cause us to relapse. Mm-hmm. And we need relationships. And we were harmed in relationships. And mm-hmm. we need to be healed by relationships. So there's a lot around, you know, the health of how you are can have a lot to do with how the relationships are around you with other right. people. And so when those are strained or there's problems, that's an indication that, that things need to be worked on or whatever shared with, which kind of launches me into um, sharing about building community. But let me just see if there's, I do want to read just a couple more things and then talk about community. Sure. Oh, I did want to also say, so Proverbs 15.1 says, a soft word turns away wrath but a harsh one stirs up anger. And that's, you know, that's something that I need to remember. I talked about the Genesis process earlier, and I just can't say enough about how great and positive that class was for me. So in the Genesis process, we learned about false belief systems. Beliefs create emotions that drive behaviors. I learned to discover false beliefs, which are actually lies to replace them with God's truth. For instance, Some of my false beliefs were, I'm not going to be okay, it's all up to me, and I'm alone. And God's word tells me that I am loved, I am saved, and he's always with me. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you. 
and help you, and I will hold you up with my righteous right hand. God tells us that we do not have to change all of our sinful behaviors and then come to him. He says, come to him as you are, and he will change your heart, your beliefs. I think that we can think that we're just not good enough or that our struggles are just too big, and sometimes we want to isolate because of that, especially when we relapse. Mm -hmm. So that leads me into how important it is to be in community. And at the lesson last night, I shared about our church and about all the groups that they have. We have life groups. We have me and threes. We have women's coffee connection, men's breakfast. We have restoration night. And all of these, all of these things that you can be a part of if you want to, you get to build friendships and trust and relationship, which, of course, comes along with having accountability each week. Like you were saying, you and I, we meet up here and we share what's going on in each other's lives. And it's really important for recovery that we have that in our lives. People that we see each week, people that we can sit down and listen to what's going on in their life, and they will listen to us and we trust them. Right. Well, that's and that's a huge thing. Um, When I first came into, uh, first got into recovery, I had some serious trust issues. I was untrusting. Well, and I was untrustworthy. And how did that change? How did that change? In the rooms of AA, I listened to people share their stories, and their stories being their experience, strength, and hope, which is their experience while they were drinking, their hope, which was the change that occurred that allowed them to get into recovery, Mm -hmm. and then... Uh, or or rather that's their strength then their hope their hope for continuing recovery and being able to live a sober life what I heard was people being open and honest and telling parts of my story right did you realize you weren't alone I realized I was not alone that I was not terminally unique and that because I heard these people telling their stories I knew they were being honest about what they were saying and that allowed me to open up and trust that what they were telling me was truth and that gave me the courage to be honest back to them because if you knew what I was really like you could not possibly love me I really felt like I was unlovable to a certain extent you know I lived up to that uh, you know, I, mean, I did we're not I, our best selves when we're no, no. in our active addiction. We're, we're kind of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, so, and that goes for anybody. So I don't care who you are. Right. Exactly. It just is. It, that allowed me to open up, build trust with these people in both directions. Sounds like a common connection. It is. It yeah. is. Well, yeah. I mean, we, you know, the primary purpose is to maintain sobriety and to help others achieve it that's the primary purpose of Alcoholics Anonymous we don't go there to learn how to drink like gentlemen and ladies we go there to learn how to live a sober life because for us to drink is to die right it's not there's no drinking like gentlemen or ladies yes no no (laughs) I like how you put that though it's very nice yeah exactly so and and that's just as far as trust goes and being feeling safe enough to talk to people i found i have found whole rooms full of people that are like that 
And occasionally, you know, there's that one untrustworthy person, but those people tend to go out and get drunk and you never see them again. So yeah. as sad as that is, it's kind of a self-correcting situation. Yeah, it does happen. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well. So I interrupted you again. No, no, actually, you're, you're great. I just have a couple more things and then we can. wanted to read two more things. Sure. One of them is the definition that I get out of the Genesis process uh, that's what recovery means, what they have down. It said, recovery means to return to a formerly healthy state, i.e. to return the person to where they were before they were wounded, betrayed, experienced pain, and came up with a hope coping behavior to function. Recovery is a process of identifying your fears and moving towards resolving them. I want to say about the first part that I read, not all of us can remember a time where we were in a formerly healthy state. That may not apply to everyone, like quite how the definition reads, in my opinion. Right. I mean, I was wounded pretty young. Right. You know, a lot of us were wounded as children. So I will say this, though. I feel like it's a continued working on being healthy, mm -hmm. being a safe person, being in recovery, you know? So, I mean, and I really love the part where it says recovery is to identify your fears and move towards resolving them. I mean, because honestly, our fears, they affect us, you know? They can take us out in different kinds of ways. So, saying them out loud and working on them is pretty important. Okay, and then lastly, I want to read a little paragraph that's, um, again, from the Genesis process, and it's about the faster scale. The FASCAR scale is the heart of the original Genesis process for relapse prevention, upon which this book is used. It is a neurochemical model of relapse presented in the form of behavioral scale for relapse awareness. Before you actually fall back into destructive, sinful behaviors, many neurochemical, biological, psychological, and social changes take place. During this pattern, chemical changes speed up your body and dull both physical and emotional pain. This process of avoiding unwanted thoughts and feelings and memories by increasing and exercising emotions such as anxiety and anger, the pattern can become unconscious and habitual. Your emotions can be used to mask pain, thus become addictive. You can become addicted to any emotion. For example, anxiety has a neurochemical effect similar to that of cocaine in that it speeds up and dulls your awareness of pain. However, it depletes coping neurochemicals which can result in a diminished ability to handle stress, depression, and exhaustion. It is in this state of depletion that the cravings for old coping behaviors are generated and relapses right around the corner. And then there's a little thing that says cravings for old habits are strongest when you are tired. I just, I'm not a neuroscientist, but I sure like all that kind of information that, that they're finding explains how our brain, brain works. Yeah, oh, thanks yeah. for letting me share. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, speaking with, uh, you you were out the last meeting when we spoke with Colleen. Uh, she was talking about how the neuro uh, pathways in the brain, when she was talking about the EMDR therapy, mm -hmm. the neuro pathways in the brain are susceptible to change before the brain is even formed in the, the, the fetal tissue. So... A mother who is just barely pregnant can experience trauma of some sort, and that feeling is actually transmitted 
to the forming child before they even have a brain to deal with it or process it. So when you talk about in recovery to be recovered back to or restored back to a prior state, you know, if you're born into chaos, it may not be there. You know, where, where do you go? Well, fortunately, we're able to create a, uh, a, a new healthy state. It requires a lot of work. It requires a lot of acceptance that what you're being told is going to work out for you, that you're going to be able to build a better life from the ashes, basically, of what your life had been up until that point. And I think, honestly, I think that's where we lose a lot of people is because it's it's a slow, arduous effort. It's a long haul uphill learning new behaviors to replace old, unhealthy behaviors. And ones that can be the only ones that you know, those old, unhealthy ones. I that's mean, right. Yeah. And And you were talking about how a state of anxiety or, you know, different emotional states can push you into old behaviors. When my wife raises her voice to me, the first thing I want to do is yell back. Childhood. But I have to stop myself from doing that. And yeah, that's what I learned from my parents, you know, who were both alcoholics and not in recovery. And that's how they dealt with each other. So you learn what you learn. So to recreate a life beyond that, it's, it's helpful to have examples. That's why we work in groups. Yeah, get a tribe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got to have community. you, you got to get a tribe. And if you can find a tribe that's been down the path you're on, well, there you go. I mean, some people can rebuild their lives through, you know, working with psychologists, psychiatrists, and all that. And... Mm-hmm. And that's great. Um, you know, I've had experience in sobriety uh, working with psychologists to work through some issues that were bothering me. But tried though I may a couple of times to breach the topic of my alcoholism and how it affected me and how I thought it related to what the work uh, the psychologist and I were, were doing, he just couldn't, he didn't get it. And I, I didn't blame him for that. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a, a lived experience to get it, mm-hmm. which is really sad. That means somebody else had to suffer a lot for me to get healthy. Yeah. So that's why I work with other men and, yeah. and women for that matter. But I mean, when I say work with them, I mean in, in, a, in the position of a, a sponsor, a guide mm-hmm. to work through the AA book and the steps and do that uh, fearless moral inventory because somebody sacrificed a lot for me to get sober. It's my obligation to, you know, help the next guy along. It's also my safety valve. If I don't share what I have, I don't get to keep it. That's how I relapsed. Remember I told you about yeah, that's that? That's right. Cause it's, and I wanted to ask you, did it feel like at the time that you were isolating? No, not at all. I Retrospectively, was looking, I was, looking I, back at it, do you feel like you were isolating or you were just kind of just was, doing different stuff? Well, for me, uh, 
you know, it had been it had been 13 years. I had been sober. I I moved I moved to Idaho, and uh, I didn't know a lot of people here. I didn't immediately get back involved with the program because I had kind of in in the year or so leading up to moving up here i had become a little less involved because i knew i was going to be moving on so i didn't take on any big responsibilities that like you know with a a district or an area where i would be you know obligated to be involved for a year or more and so i just kind of was getting away from it i had my own business so i was like really busy everything seemed to be going well monetarily things were going well the relationship was going well and uh you know i did have a lot of uh, f- uh friends that i had grown up with down there and those relationships were were healing up and getting better then move a thousand miles away yeah i was gonna say so changes i mean good change hard change change right. in itself can be kind of right. problematic yes yes and and so moving into this area and kind of keeping the problem was keeping along with that same sort of mental state everything's going good you know i'm busy i'm not thinking about drinking particularly although i was more isolated Mm -hmm. i didn't really see it as isolated i was looking at it more as being just really focused which you know, is, especially is when like, things are going well, it seems like it's okay. Yeah, yeah. it's it's sure. a form of denial, though. I'm really focused in on this, so I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Not so much. Right, you get into that gray area that can slide into exactly. The so, and then the other behaviors, the selfishness, the self-centeredness, those things start popping up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to do this. Um, maybe the wife wanted to do that. Well, this is more important to me, so I'm just going to do this, and you can do whatever. The uh, uh, yelling back and forth, mm-hmm. other issues, uh, procrastinating, spending a little bit out ahead of my ability to earn because I wanted to fulfill these wants, you know, way beyond my needs. Oh, there's a casino 30 miles away. You know what comes to mind? I'm going to interrupt you just for a second. It comes to mind that you weren't doing service work when you were here. Right, exactly. So you weren't giving back. Right. And that wasn't keeping you humble. I see. That's, Do you yeah, think? And that's, I, no, that's exactly where, okay. where I'm going with this. Is okay, sorry that, to interrupt. <laughs> no, no, no. I was all light bulb. That's fine, that's fine. And... So that's where I went. That's exactly what happened. I completely turned from looking outwards to helping people to just looking inwards to myself and trying to self-satisfy. One day I thought, I could probably have a drink. It's probably going to be okay. I had no one to be accountable to. I think my wife was off on a road trip somewhere with friends. Who's going to know? And, of course down the road everyone knew everything fell apart i started over from ground zero mm-hmm. because i wanted to make sure that there wasn't something beyond what was obvious to me why it happened mm-hmm. i wanted to move beyond that into what did i skip or not understand or not really work out in those steps 
that would have kept me safe from that first drink. Mm -hmm. Well, first thing I talked to my sponsor in California, he suggested just go into a meeting, introduce yourself as a you know, newcomer, mm -hmm. and start the process over. Find, he says, sponsor. you really should have a sponsor that's yeah. not a thousand miles away. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, yeah. I like you. He's like, yeah, that's not Well, and it's what not like you, you can't need. still talk to him. Right, But exactly. you need to have somebody locally. You need to build yeah. a relationship that's yeah. good. Well, it's the accountability. Yeah. And that was, that was one of the many things I was lacking. So that's what I did. And things have been pretty good. There's been some ups and downs. And it's usually the relapses are like what you're talking about. Relapses of this just bad behavior. These mm -hmm. character defects raising their ugly little heads yeah, in ways that are new. That are new and exciting. You know, it's amazing how we can fall back into old behavior uh, in a stressful time. Yeah. When you're up to your ass in alligators, it's hard to remember that the objective was to drain the swamp. Right. And yeah, I might go back in time to react in a way that I'm already very well versed and familiar with, even though it's unhealthy or inappropriate or whatever it makes me think of it makes me think of this morning i get to work and i open up facebook and i had heard yesterday that my grandson's father had overdosed and was in the hospital and the information was that he that he was having liver and kidney failure and that he was probably going to have a leg or two amputated that's pretty heavy stuff you yeah know, my grandson's four and so when I opened up the text from my daughter and found out that he had died this morning, immediately just bust into tears, ugly crying. And my makeup looked really good this morning, but anyways. So I'm sitting in the car crying in the parking lot, like hysterically crying in the parking lot. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I can't go into work. I'm going to have to go home. Who should I go see you know what I mean? Because right. I know I'm going to have to go sit with somebody because right. I'm crying pretty hysterically. So I think of my good friend who is probably home, and I call her up, and she talks to me uh, as I drive to her house, and I go in and cry some more, and I share these thoughts, you know, right? about, you know, how much this is horrific and about what happened, what I know what happened. And, and she just listens, and she you know says you can just give me a hug until you just you, you know what i mean just you know and i'm like okay just hugged her for like three minutes and cried and that's the stuff man um things like death or big changes or you know i mean i'm grieving for my daughter who is going to be raising her son without the father of her child but that's is, what i'm grieving for and this is also a repeat of two years ago it is and so i think it was three years ago my granddaughter same you know same same family this is you know the grandson's sister her father died as well her father took his life and you know is no longer with us and i just you know i i just i want every father to know you are so important to your kids so important they need you even if things are strained and maybe you're not seeing your kiddo right now, they need you. Because someday, 
even if you don't get to see them when they're a minor, someday that kid is going to want to meet you. You know, they're going to want to sort things out. You need to be there. Take the opportunity to try to get things together so that you can be there. Right, exactly. And I grieve knowing just because, you know, I lost my father when I was seven. So I know what this looks like to walk through. I've experienced this. Yeah, just grieving for my grandkids, you know, knowing that they're going to grow up and not have their fathers, you know. So, But by the grace of God, they have a grandmother. They do. Who has lived experience. I do. And who is going to, I'm quite certain. I'm sure to. Help them heal from this experience yeah. like she has absolutely you're you're, they're gonna you're need a pretty a, strong woman they're gonna need a tribe too and so oh, yeah. i'm praying starting praying again for the tribe to come that's gonna help them out because it's big it's big well the tribe's chief is sitting right across from me and i, I, I have no doubt that and, and here's the beauty of, of being in a recovery community and and uh, a, a community in christ like you're in yeah. You won't even have to look for those people. They'll just show up. They do. They just do. They just do. They do. So, thanks well, for letting me share, you guys. Thanks for listening. No problem. That's uh, part of what this is all about, to get get those feelings out into the ether here. That's right. For that one person that's listening today yeah. who yeah. might have lost all hope. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe this is the thread they'll be able to hang on to, and uh, it'll bring them some some peace, some grace that I we talked so. about. I hope so. Yeah. And lastly, I'll just say that, you know, if you are coming out of prison or jail and you've been clean for a little while and you go to pick up and relapse, you can't just pick up the same amount that you did before you stopped because you were in jail. You will probably overdose, and you may die. Yep. So keep that in mind. Yeah. For anybody. Anybody. And it doesn't matter whether that's pills or, I mean, I know it certainly is for pills, opiates, heroin. Yeah. Anything. Alcohol. Mm -hmm. You know, I came very close to drinking myself to death, not just the long-term you know, breakdown of the body, but I mean, you know, a half a gallon of whiskey in, in 36 hours, that's a lot of whiskey. Yeah. So I, yeah. I relate to that and I agree with you. Thank you. Well, I think we'll wind it up at this point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, thanks a bunch, Denise, for uh, bringing in the information from your share the other night and also sure. for bearing your soul there at the end. Um, I hope, uh, I hope you get some relief. I really do. Yep. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go home and think about a lot of this. Right. And I just want to say thank you to our listening audience. And, um, you know, we're here to try to bring hope into your life, whether you're struggling with addiction or you know someone who is. Most of us do know someone who is and are affected in those ways. And I'll close with the usual, you know, if you think you have a problem with addiction or mental health issues, you do.
been on the low, I've been taking my time. I feel like I'm out of my mind. It feel like my life ain't mine. Who can relate? Woo! I've been on the low, I've been taking my time. I feel like I'm out of my mind. It feel like my life ain't mine. I don't wanna be alive. I don't wanna be alive. I just wanna die today. I just wanna die. The shit I'm talking about, they think they know it. I've been praying for somebody to say me, no one's heroic in my life. Don't even matter, I know it, I know it, I know I'm hurting deep down, but can't show it. I never had a place to call my own, I never had a home. Ain't nobody calling my phone. Where you been, where you at, what's on your mind? They say every life precious, but nobody care about mine. I've been on the low, I've been taking my time. I feel like I'm out of my mind. It feel like my life ain't mine. Who can Like my life ain't 